This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. Thank you for your warm welcome. Uh, Several weeks ago, Pastor Chris asked me to speak today. As I prayed about the message, I found myself revisiting the story of Joseph in Genesis 37 through 50. No matter how many times I have read this story, I continue to receive fresh insights from the Lord on how he works in our lives. To set the stage for the message, I want to share to you a powerful promise given to us in Romans 8:28. You know it by heart, but it's on the screen for you. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. The Apostle Paul is not saying that God causes every single event that happens on planet Earth. However, he is saying when things happen to us, whether they're good or bad, God takes those things and he makes them work for our good. Now that has everything to do with how the Lord works in our lives. All of us have what I call defining moments. Defining moments are those significant points in our history where something happens. There's an event, there's an occurrence, and it has the potential to change the direction of our life. Some of those events are great. It could be marriage, the birth of a child, or a new opportunity. However, some of those defining moments aren't so great. It could be a hurt, a divorce, the death of a loved one, or a dream that continues to elude you. Regardless of what it is, these defining moments have an impact on our life. If we could take all the defining moments of our lives and chart them, we could clearly see their influence on our lives and the direction they take us. Many years ago, I had the opportunity to visit the Smithsonian Institute. In the Air and Space Museum, there was a rocket on display that was from the Saturn series, which was used to put men on the moon. And and I found the engineering just brilliant and fascinating. But the rocket had four stages to it. Stage one is liftoff. And it propelled the astronauts 38 miles into the Earth's atmosphere. Once those rocket engines were done, they break away. Stage two begins. Stage two would take the astronauts another 115 miles. When it was finished, that part of the rocket breaks away, and stage three would set the astronauts on their path to the moon. They would reach their destination. And here's what I found interesting. The most important part of the rocket is at the front. It's where the astronauts astronauts are. And that's where the lunar landing module is and the capsule they'll use to return to the Earth. But the first three stages exist for the final stage, which was at the front of the rocket. When I look at Joseph's life, I see our lives are somewhat like a rocket ship. There were four stages in Joseph's life. And the first three stages, all of which were defining moments, were used by God to put him on a very clear path to his destiny. I would suggest to you there's a path for you to follow to your destiny. And God takes our lives through various stages to get us there and to prepare us for our purpose. As we look at these various stages in Joseph's life, you may identify with one or more of them. In fact, the Holy Spirit could show you what stage you're in today and how you should respond. Your response to life's defining moments and these various stages 
will play a key role in you reaching your destiny and fulfilling your purpose. Now, I have to admit, Joseph's story is a long one, and for that purpose, I'm going to quickly highlight various stages on his path to his destiny. Uh, Joseph's story opens in Genesis 37, and we find him in the first stage. In the first stage, I call it the plus stage. Life is good. There is joy. You're being blessed. When the story opens, Joseph is 17 and the favored son of Jacob. Joseph had 11 brothers, but he was dad's favorite. Dad playing favorites did Joseph more harm than good because it caused his brothers to despise him. One day, Jacob decided to show Joseph how much he loved him by giving him a coat of many colors. This coat was an extravagant sign of dad's love. Oh, the brothers had coats, but theirs was a drab coat, short, short sleeves, because she worked in it. Joseph's coat was long, flowing, very colorful. Only royalty had long, flowing, colorful robes. Here's a 17-year-old kid in a coat fit for a king and he wears it ever so proudly. He's walking around with an attitude that seems to say, hey, check this out. Now, to make matters worse, Joseph has two dreams. Both dreams indicated that he would be in a place of leadership over his brothers and rule over them. It's true the dreams were from God, but not everything God reveals to you is meant for public prophecy. You know, some things God speaks to you about, you should ponder in your heart as Mary did concerning the revelation given her concerning the birth of Christ. We need wisdom to handle revelation properly, and Joseph didn't have it. And he says to his brothers, hey, I had two dreams. All of you are going to serve me. All of you are going to bow to me. Now, the brothers are really ticked. And even dad is upset. Jacob says, are you telling me that even I'm going to bow before you? Joseph flaunting the coat the way he did and revealing his dreams created that much more animosity in the family. Now, here's why I called the first stage the plus one. Things were going well for Joseph. I mean, his future is bright. His future is so bright, everybody else probably need to wear shades. But here's Joseph and he's missing something very crucial in this stage. And it's something you need if you're gonna manage properly and manage well the plus stage. In the plus stage of life, you and I, more than anything else, we need perception. Perception is the ability to see, to hear, and to be aware of the needs of those around you. It's it's self-awareness. Joseph didn't have that. Things are going well for him. He's being blessed. He's being honored. But he has so little perception. He was not aware that his actions were creating so much animosity within the family and hurting his brothers deeply. He is oblivious to their feelings. Now, there's two reasons you need perception. For one, it will protect you from pride. When you find yourself in this plus stage, there's a real danger there. And it's to think of yourself more highly than you should. Romans 12, verse 3, the verse is on the screen for you. Do not think of yourself more highly than you should, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. When things are great, it's easy to think you're the reason for all this blessing. 
Hey, if we are blessed, it is the goodness of God. You always want to walk humbly before the Lord. Remember, the Lord will exalt the humble, but he will abase the proud. And pride always goes before a fall. Second, perception helps you be more sensitive to those around you. Without perception, you can become so insensitive to other people's needs. Joseph was clueless to how others were feeling. He was not picking up on any of the signals around him and the anger that was building in the hearts of his brothers toward him. I mean, those around Joseph are in great emotional pain, and he is not even aware of it. Genesis 37, verse 4, look at it. But Joseph's brothers hated him because their father loved him more than the rest, and they couldn't even say a kind word to him. He didn't get it. On a personal note, I am thrilled to be a part of this church in this season. You know, while this church has had a great past in Christ, the best is yet to come. It always is. Say that with me. The best is yet to come. I truly believe that. You know, the Lord is blessing uh, the church with both growth and opportunities to make, make such a difference. But in this season, I would suggest to you we need perception. With growth comes more responsibility. Jesus said, to whom much is given, much is required. Every week, we have first-time guests. And when someone comes for the first time, do you realize there's, there's a reason they're here? It could be the first time they've ever, ever been in church. Or maybe a friend's been praying for them for so long, and they finally accepted their invitation to come. Or God could have used a need to draw them here. Whatever it was that God used to draw them here, we need to be mindful of that. Notice them and show hospitality. You know, the Greek word for hospitality means lover of strangers. Remember the story of the Good Samaritan? You were taught it in Sunday school. You know, everyone saw the injured man, two walk right past him, but only one made the effort to help him. And Jesus said in that story, he said, I want you to be like the Good Samaritan. Well, there's only one way to be like the Good Samaritan. You have to notice the strangers in your midst. If you don't know someone, step out, introduce yourself to them, invite them to be a part of this community. People want to know they're wanted. And by reaching out, it could be your kindness that influences them to make a commitment to Christ and become a part of this faith community. But it is obvious the Lord is doing something special in this season. And I would suggest we need perception to manage it well. Now let's move on to the next part of the story. One day Jacob sends Joseph to check on his brothers who were in the fields tending sheep. Once again, Jacob put Joseph in a very difficult position. Jacob made Joseph the liaison between dad and the brothers. In other words, Jacob made him the family tattletale. He was to monitor his brother's behavior and report that back to dad. So here Joseph comes out in the fields wearing this coat of many colors to check on his brothers and report it all back to dad. Their hatred for him reached a boiling point and they planned to kill him. It's right here in Genesis 37, 23. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, they took him and threw him in the pit. 
right there. It's very obvious what stage two is. You know, stage two is the pit. And we've all been there. You know, what does a pit represent for you and me? It represents despair, pain, even suffering. And, and there in the pit, we experience discouragement. And, it, and at times, we feel like we can't even get out of the pits. But here's the thing about the pits. They're a part of life. And of course, the pit for you could be a betrayal, undeserved cruelty, prejudice, a deep hurt, a disappointment, the consequence of sin, or the death of a, of a dream. But there are many reasons we end up in a pit. Sometimes we slip. It wasn't intentional. But we started flirting with something questionable. Before we realized it, we slipped into sin. Other times, we jump head on into the pit. For whatever reason, we made a conscious decision to disregard what God said, and we just do our own thing. And then there are those times other people throw us into the pit. We're in the pit because of the actions of others and how their actions impacted us. That's what happened to Joseph. And even though he, his lack of perception had contributed animosity between him and his brothers, his brothers' actions were sinful, and God did not cause those young men to sin. Their actions were clearly sinful. Now, maybe this is where you are today. You're in a pit of discouragement, not because of your actions, but because of the actions of others. If that's where you are, I want you to hear me. God sees you. God hears you. And God feels your pain. You are never so deep in the pit that the love of God cannot reach you. But I will tell you, when you find yourself in the pit, there is something you have got to have to survive it. You've got to have it. It's crucial. It is perspective. What is perspective? Perspective is an attitude. It's a way of seeing things. It's a point of view. And here's what you need to understand. Your perspective becomes your reality. And that will determine how you progress through the pit. Your perspective is going to influence how you deal with the pit. Your perspective will, make you, will become the catalyst to make you a victim of the pit or a victor over the pit. Now look with me at Ephesians 4, 22. And here Paul writes, You were taught to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind. Pay attention to that, to be new in the attitude of your mind. And put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. To get out of a pit, you've got to change your perspective. You have got to be made new in the attitude of your mind. Now here's the thing about the pit. There's a tendency for us to see God in light of our circumstances. If I see God in light of my circumstances, then my circumstances become overwhelming. God is small. God is little. God is powerless, but my circumstances, they are big and they are bad and they are terrifying. However, if I change my perspective, I begin to see my circumstances in light of God. I mean, everything changes. I mean, suddenly God is big. God is awesome. God is powerful. God is everything under his control. So if you're in a pit, adjust your attitude. You've got to have the right perspective. And if you don't have the right perspective, here's what will happen. You'll blame others 
and you'll use all your energy focusing on all the wrong things. That only prolongs the pit and any healing you could have. But don't ever spend your time blaming others or God. It's a waste of energy. Even though other people may have caused it, it's a waste of time and waste of energy. But if you do, you miss out on the bigger picture of what God wants to do in your life. You know, remember, God loves you deeply. And I will admit, at times, we feel like we've been emotionally abandoned by God. You know, if that's where you are, remember, that's a feeling. And you cannot trust your emotions. Sometimes our emotions lie to us. And we have to trust God and his love. When you're in a pit, you've got to get the right perspective. And the best way to get a right perspective is to fill your mind with the word of God. Let your mind be renewed by God's word, what the word teaches us about God. And remember, he always has your best interests at heart. Now, Joseph didn't stay long in the pit. His brother saw a caravan of travelers coming through, and it provided a way to make some extra money. You know, given the first opportunity, they sell their brother into slavery. And he's taken to Egypt and passed off as a slave. Then they took his coat, they ripped it apart, soaked it in animal's blood, and took it back to their father. Oh, Dad, does this look like Joseph's coat? I think it's our brother's coat. And we can't find him anywhere. You know, sorry, Dad. Looks like a wild animal devoured him. But life's got to go on. Now, once in Egypt... Joseph is signed to work for a very powerful man in Pharaoh's court named Potiphar. And for a season, Joseph had great success working in Potiphar's home. I mean, he does a great job. The Bible even tells us God was with him. And get this, God blesses Potiphar's home because the favor on Joseph's life. So here is this pagan being blessed because the goodness of God on this young man's life. And I'm sure Joseph is perplexed. He doesn't understand what's unfolding in his life, but he's going to honor God the best he can. And God does honor Joseph. And soon Joseph is put in charge of Potiphar's home. I mean, he's running the show. He clearly has administrative abilities that Potiphar recognized and he benefited from. The scripture also tells us that Joseph was a good-looking guy. And Mrs. Potiphar likes what she sees. And day after day, she had sown it. Joseph knew it was wrong. And he resisted her advances. And finally, in a rage for resisting her, Potiphar's wife screamed, and she falsely accuses Joseph of sexual assault. And because of these false accusations, Joseph is thrown into prison. Now, right here is where stage three begins. And it's obvious what stage three is. It's prison. You know, what does prison look like for you and me? Prison could include those things that prevent us all those hindrances that keep us from moving to our destiny. Now, let's be honest. It's true Joseph lacked perception in the first day of his life. But you got to give the guy a break. He's 17 years old. Perception is something that we should develop and acquire as we get older. You know, perception is something that should come with maturity. And, and, but however, in this part of his life, Joseph had done the right thing. He would not sin against God. He would not sin against Potiphar. And he gets a short end of the stick. I mean, he obeys God and he suffers for it. And I think I would have to say life isn't fair. The path that is forced upon him is one that leads to prison. 
Genesis 39, 19. Let's look at it. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about Joseph and how Joseph treated her. So he took Joseph, threw him into prison where the king prisoners were, and look at that. There he remained. Joseph is stuck in an Egyptian dungeon and no hope of ever getting out unless God does something. But his prison was a little dungeon. And for you and me, prison could be symbolic of thoughts, habits, addictions, circumstances. I would say again, it's anything that hinders you, prevents you from moving to your destiny. If you find yourself in any sort of prison today, there is something you need to manage that stage of life and overcome it. So what do you need to move through the prison stage? Well, it is a crucial, it is absolutely crucial for you to have perseverance. Perseverance enables you to move on in the face of great adversity. It enables you to move on when you're frustrated and you're at your limit. Perseverance enables you to get up again if you have fallen. It enables you to try again, no matter how many times life has knocked you down. I also know we're all going to make some mistakes on the path to our destiny. We're just not going to do everything right all the time. There are going to be moments of discouragement. In fact, it, there'll be times you feel like quitting. But here's the thing. Hope is lost if you quit. You just can't give up. And perseverance enables you to keep on. I love what is given to us in Galatians 6, 9. It reminds us of the importance of never giving up. And it says, let us not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. There is always a harvest coming for the faithful. God will send the harvest. God will provide the breakthrough. God will open the new door. God will make the provision needed at just the right time. Our family talks often about how God is an on-time God. Not early, not late, but on time. And I will acknowledge when you're in prison, you can feel so alone. Again, you may feel like God has abandoned you, but don't trust your feelings. You can have confidence in the fact that God is in control and he will intervene at the right time. Now let's move on with the story. Joseph is stuck in prison with two very special people. There's the Pharaoh's baker and the Pharaoh's cupbearer. Both men have been accused of a crime against the king. And it just so happened, while in prison, both men have dreams. Do you think they just happen to have random dreams. No, these dreams were given by God. You know why? God is propelling the rocket ship of Joseph's life to its destiny. God is the one in charge. Joseph hears these men talking about their dreams, and he says, maybe I can help you. In the past, God has given me dreams that even helped me understand them. Let's see if God will give me the interpre interpretation to your dreams. They, they share with Joseph their dreams, and Joseph says to the cupbearer, in a few days, you're going to be released. You're going to be restored to your position in the palace. Well, the baker likes what he hears. He thinks he's going to get a good word. And Joseph said, you too are going to be released from this dungeon in three days. But it's not the way you think. 
Pharaoh is going to cut your head off. Hey, sorry, don't get mad at me. I just give the interpretations. You know, not my, that's not my dream, it's your dream. Well, the cupbearer returns to the palace. He's serving Pharaoh, and he does nothing for Joseph. I mean, he completely forgets about him. I mean, and Joseph even told him as leaving, please remember me before Pharaoh and tell him I'm unjustly prison. But here Joseph had done a good thing. He had done what is right, and he's stuck in prison for another two years. And he's stuck there until Pharaoh has a dream. Was this dream just a random event? I don't think so. It is God who is propelling the rocket ship of his life to his destiny. And because of the dream, Pharaoh was perplexed. He wants to understand the meaning of the dream. And nobody in his court can interpret it. And it's then the cupbearer remembers Joseph. And he said to the king, dreams? This sounds so familiar. Oh, while I was in prison, I met a young man of Hebrew descent. I had a dream. He interpreted it. It all came to pass just as he said. I think he might have the gift to interpret dreams. Well, they go and get Joseph. He's cleaned up. He's brought before Pharaoh. The king tells him the dream, and Joseph said, here it is. God is revealing to you what is going to happen in the nation's economy for the next 14 years. Egypt is going to have seven years of incredible prosperity. The abundance will be like, unlike anything you've ever seen. However, it'll be followed by seven years of severe famine, and it too will be unprecedented. In fact, it will be so severe, it'll wipe out all the gains from the years of abundance. Your only hope is you've got to prepare for this now by finding someone who's strategic enough to help you collect grain during the years of abundance. And that way, when the famine comes, you can provide for your people. You need a man wise enough to implement a program like this. And Pharaoh said, well, I found it. God speaks to you. God speaks to you. You can interpret dreams. You're going to do this. You're going to rule in Egypt only second to me. There was not going to be any doubt in Pharaoh's court who was going to do this. Because Pharaoh puts a ring on his finger, and it's interesting, another robe is put on Joseph, signifying the power and authority he would have. Who's propelling the rocket ship of his life? Now, here's something to think about this. Think about. What did Potiphar think about this? Wonder what was going through Mrs. Potiphar's mind, knowing she had falsely accused Joseph. This was a very public announcement. If I'd been Mrs. Potiphar, I might have thought about packing my bags and leaving town. Now, here's the fourth stage. It's the final stage of Joseph's life. And remember, the first three stages exist because it's what's at the front that's important. It's the palace. What does a palace represent? It's opportunity. This is your destiny. You have been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. The rocket has now propelled Joseph to the palace. Now, when you come to the palace, when you have that God-given opportunity, what is it you need more than anything else? You need purpose. You need to understand your purpose. If you don't understand the purpose, 
then you will miss what God is doing and you will squander the opportunity. And believe me, I have seen many people come to God-given opportunities and completely miss it and squander it. You don't want that to be you. Now, Joseph is given great power and authority. And in the position, he could right every wrong. Hey, he had the opportunity to be the first Avenger, not Captain America. I mean, this guy had such authority, he could have said, hey, why don't you bring Mrs. Potter for here? And why rat it prepare the guillotine? He didn't do that. And you know why? Why did he not make revenge a priority? Because he understood his purpose. See, through all the stages of his life, he came to realize that God had a bigger purpose than his problems. And revenge was not part of the purpose. And here's what he understood about his purpose. His purpose was designed to benefit others. Our purpose is never meant to be lived out in isolation. Your purpose is not designed by God to give you this life of blessing and make you comfortable and make you happy so you can squander it on yourself. Now, when God brings you to your purpose, you will be blessed. But keep in mind, it's so much bigger than you and me. It's about us being a blessing to all those around us. And and we see this in Joseph's life. At the end of the book of Genesis, Joseph is reunited with his brothers. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. And here Joseph is wearing a coat of royalty, but only now it fits him so well. When he wore that coat of royalty at 17, he didn't have a clue what it took to wear such a coat. I mean, the coat, even at 17, it it symbolized purpose. It symbolized authority. But Joseph was not prepared for it. He didn't have the wisdom or the experience to wear that kind of coat. But it took every stage to prepare him for the palace. And it's now he is ready to wear a coat of royalty. And he wears it so well. In the last chapter of his life, his brothers come to him and they bow before him. The fulfillment of the dreams God gave him at 17. Joseph could have said, guys, do you have any idea the pain you caused me? Do you have any idea the mental anguish you put me through? Do you realize the years of torment I endured while you went on with your life? You stole years from my life. He didn't do that. Why? It was because he was prepared to wear the robe of power and authority. He stood in front of his brothers as their superior. And what came out of his mouth was the Old Testament version of Romans 8, 28. In Genesis 50, verse 20, Joseph said, You intended to harm me, but God intended for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Now, did you hear that? The saving of many lives. It was not about Joseph. It was about the saving of many lives. God has a specific path for your life as well. He had a specific path for Joseph. And I mean, there were some things that happened to him that God did not cause or ordain. Yet God took everything that unfolded. He worked with it to bring about his plan. And this is what I want you to get. Romans 8.28 is the power and the promise behind the rocket ship of your life propelling you to your destiny.
No matter what happens to us, God knows what he's destined us for. And no matter how we get off track, whether it was through our own actions or the actions of others, God, in his brilliance and power and sovereignty, he works through all those things. And he promises to make it all work together for the good for those who love him. Joseph stands before his brothers and he offers them forgiveness. He embraces them, all because he understood his purpose. His purpose was to save an entire nation and the family through whom Jesus Christ would come. God's purpose for Joseph was greater than his pain. And I believe this with all my heart. God's purpose for you and me is always greater than any present pain. But with God, what so often looks like a loss to us can be an event that God uses to bring blessing to others. And while we may not understand it at that moment, and we may not understand all the things we're going through, we do have God's grace. And, you know, here's what I found. I need God's grace more than I need answers. And God's grace is greater than any answer he could ever give you. As I wrap this up, I want to encourage you to reflect on these, these stages in Joseph's life. Identify where you are. I mean, if you're in the plus stage, you're probably riding high. Now, remember, you need perception. So you will not become prideful and think it's all about you. But in the plus stage, be aware of the needs of others around you. You know, we never want to become arrogant or be a hindrance to someone who might be struggling. Or what if you're in the pit? Well, we've got to maintain a right perspective. You know, the pit is not the end. It's not the defining moment of my, it is a defining moment, but it's not the defining end of my life. So make sure you see yourself and the situation as Christ sees it. You don't want to become bitter. You don't want to blame others, but you want to focus on the healing that can be yours. Well, what if you're in the pit? Well, it's painful. And I know sometimes by God's grace, you have to say, I'm not going to stay in this pit. I've sat here long enough. I'm going to trust God and look for him to make a way of escape. And I know he's going to enable me to do it. And of course, there's prison. And if you're going to move from the prison to the palace, you've got to have perseverance. I mean, and there are times, you know, we have to say, God, I mean, just like Job, God, this is killing me, but yet I will trust you. You got to make every effort to be faithful where you are if you want to move to the palace. And then finally, maybe you're ready for the palace. If so, embrace that opportunity, embrace that purpose. And while you will experience blessing, it's bigger than just you being blessed. It's about you bringing glory to Christ. It's about you being a blessing. It's about you and I being, making an impact on a lost world. But if we align our lives with God's plan, the power and the promise of Romans 8.28 will propel the rocket of our life to His destiny. You know, if you're here today, you've never made a commitment of your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to remind you that He loves you. God sent His Son, Jesus, to this earth to die for our sins. And His death covered every sin we've ever committed, every sin we will ever commit. And He offers us the free gift of salvation and redemption. And all we have to do is ask for it. And you can just pray where you are. Lord, I believe you are who you say you are. I ask you to forgive me and take control of my life. And maybe you, you know Christ. You've walked with Christ for many years. 
but you find yourself struggling in some stage of life, your Father in heaven loves you and knows where you are. And I would encourage you to submit to His love, His care, His control once again. God, I give you control. Take control of my life, everything that has happened, and I'm going to trust you to make it work for good. Romans 8, 28, it is a power and promise behind your life. And you can have absolute assurance that God will make all things work for the good for those who love Him. Set your love upon Him, and you will never be disappointed. Stand with me. Let's pray. Perhaps you've had some disappointing experiences. You're walking through some painful things, some challenges, and you think, man, I don't know what to do. Let's just commit them to the Lord right now and knowing He can make all things work together for your good. So Lord, in this final moment, we want to acknowledge Your sovereignty over our lives. We want to acknowledge Your power and Your authority. And you have the ultimate say. The mind of man may make his plans, but you order our steps. The final outcome was with you. And Lord, we may not understand some of the challenges and some of the hurts and disappointments we're experiencing, but we're going to give them all to you. We're going to ask you to make them work for our good and bring us to our purpose. Help each one of us to understand our purpose. And when that moment comes, when the opportunity is presented, may we be prepared to fully step into our purpose to bring you glory and be a blessing to all those around us. Here we are, Lord. Use us. Use us. And take control of our life. And thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness. And Lord, we do look to you to make it all work for our good. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.